0: <laughs> loop Daddy is not something I came up with.
1: That's Mark Rebier, aka Loop Daddy. He's an electronic musician who's best known for his hours long, over the top performances on livestream. He creates these infectious beats and songs on the fly by recording himself playing a hook or singing a melody, then letting it repeat on a loop. Every loop becomes a layer of the song until Mark becomes a one man band.
0: It's something that in the early days of me streaming my performances online, I was sort of introduced to it by someone who was looking at the comment thread there and asking me questions. And uh, one of them was whether or not I was comfortable being called loop daddy. And I really love it. It was sort of a done deal and uh, I embrace it.
1: Mark is a digital first musician with over 10 million streams. He performs mostly from his own apartment, but also live streams his in-person shows, which he's been doing more and more of over the last few years. Then, like every other touring musician facing the coronavirus, he had to shut everything down.
0: We had to make a, you know, 24 hours before call to postpone the tour. Just the knowledge that there are hundreds or thousands of people that bought tickets and plan their night, and at the last minute, you have to pull the rug out from from under everybody, and that just kills me. Even if it makes sense, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a concert, so it's really not the end of the world. But it's uh, it just really sucks to have to do that to people who are trying to support you, you know.
1: So he hunkered down in his apartment, turned on his live stream, and used his talents to raise over twenty thousand dollars for pandemic relief. Then he got a call from his agents about drive-in concerts that were popping up in Germany.
0: Agents who were looking for ways to be creative were were sort of scoping out the drive-in theater scene over there. But there hadn't been any of that that had matriculated to the United States yet. So they said, you know, what do you think about this? I said, let's do a tour. Let's do a tour. I mean, can we do it? Is it possible? I don't know.
1: This is Networked, the 5G Future, a podcast from Verizon and T Brandt. I'm Christina Warren. As a reporter and analyst, I've spent years covering how technology changes the way we work, play, and connect online. Throughout this series, I'm learning how this new generation of wireless technology could pave the way for some major advances in every part of our lives from education to healthcare to sports. In this episode, I'm hearing about the ways that artists and fans are adapting to a world where our favorite musicians are performing online. I'll find out how Verizon 5G can help keep the beat going and make live music more immersive and interactive when it's finally time for us to get back together for a show. Speaking of which… Even though Marc Rebillet could have kept live streaming, he was determined to pull off a cross-country tour that could be safe, fun, and just as real as a club show with a thousand people on the floor.
0: All of the audio, visual, and projection equipment that a drive-in theater is outfitted with is situated in the back behind the cars, never in front. um, Because in order to have everything set up, we needed to be somewhere near the projector and near these components. You know, my audio-visual team would be in this trailer that was outfitted like a CIA wiretap van that had a multi, uh, multi-screen multi setup for multiple cameras, a mixing board, an FM transmitter, all sorts of drone stuff and wires, and all of that would feed into a tent.
1: In that tense, Mark set up his gear, surrounded himself with green screens, and basically live-streamed to the movie screen.
0: But then the problem with that is, because I'm behind the cars, you don't actually see me. You need to understand that I'm there. You need to connect with me. You need to see me. You need to make eye contact with me. I need to be there in front of you. So I start out... In the front by the screen we have a big ladder i'm up on top of the ladder then i get in a golf cart and we go around the whole damn parking lot my robe is going everywhere and i'm yelling and every you know in between all the rows everyone can see me until i get to the tent then i play the show
1: the creative challenges of socially distanced live shows were really no problem for mark but the technical challenges of running a multi-camera, multi-channel, live-stream improvisational concert? Well, he and his team made it happen. But they were troubleshooting at every step of the way to make that experience seamless.
0: What I discovered was because we're transmitting this signal to cars in the parking lot via FM radio, and a lot of these people have their windows open, when I play, they're hearing me a number of milliseconds later, it's uh, or maybe even a second later, it's a delay that's significant enough that you can really hear it. So there was just a lot of sort of internal juggling I had to do in terms of making sure I was staying focused exclusively on my signal and not on the audience's signal.
1: And the sound wasn't the only signal that Mark had trouble with during these drive-in shows
0: you know i i listen for feedback when i'm playing i listen for feedback from the the crowd you know according to my tour manager and other people that were out in the parking lot you could really hear it when you're out there but when i'm in my tent it it's it's just very difficult to get that feedback so you have to trust your instincts and trust that what you're doing is entertaining enough and that people are are hopefully enjoying themselves um, but yeah, it's, it's just a weird thing.
1: Mark's drive-in tour worked because he'd spent years performing online. He mastered how to move the audience no matter where they are, and he brought those skills into this socially distant setup without missing a beat. But a lot of artists are trying to figure out that dynamic for the first time.
0: There's a lot of hurdles that can make it very difficult to reach an online audience in a way that represents what you do fully.
1: As musicians take on those hurdles, how can they use better connectivity to make live performance more of an interactive experience? To find out, I called Bus Kressmeier.
2: I'm the founder of Music X Tech X Future. One, it's a newsletter about music and innovation, uh, but two, it's also kind of my vehicle for consulting companies and individuals about matters of like innovation, technology, digital strategy, specifically focused on the music business and adjacent industries.
1: He spent most of his career navigating the evolution of music distribution, from analog to digital to streaming, and imagining how fundamental changes in tech like 5G might reshape the landscape for listeners and creators. As a fan and producer of electronic music, he shared a story with me about how he really dived into music after seeing a video as a kid in the Netherlands.
2: Okay, so like one day I came home from school and I saw a music video by a rapper from New York, and he was talking about how, kind of ironically, how hip-hop is not what you see on TV, that there's much more to it than cars and like all the kind of default materialism. And I I liked how provocative he was in that. So I bought the album, and then from there, just the whole journey started.
1: Did hip-hop directly inspire you to start making music, or were there other moments that also contributed?
2: I think it was hip-hop. I started writing lyrics. I started spending a lot of time on internet forums, So this is probably 2001, 2002. So people didn't really typically have easy ways to record. So instead, you would have like just written text-based battles and uh, lyric competitions and stuff like that. And people would just post their lyrics. And that inspired me to start like getting actively involved in the creative aspect of music.
1: So thinking about how much has changed since you were winning text-based rap battles. So cool. What is a kind of musical tool that could really open up new possibilities for creators today?
2: I've, okay, one thing that I'm personally really excited about is the use of artificial intelligence for creative purposes. So you can feed all kinds of sounds to neural nets, which is basically kind of self, self-learning self systems.
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually was just reading about a neural net program that can learn a bunch of songs of a certain artist or genre and then generate an original song, including vocals. Have you seen that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I think that's super exciting. And I think it's a departure from this specific era in music. And I think that era began with the recording making its way into everyone's house. Like the internet changed like the music business, but I don't think it has changed music that much yet. Music as a I don't know as a medium or as a phenomenon, um, but the recording definitely did because before, if you wanted to hear your favorite song, for instance, you better know how to play it or sing it, or someone else in your like household better know. Uh, so music had like something really participative, and now just consider a song, uh, what might be your favorite song, and let's say you make a recording of it. It will not be like the real version people will consider like the original uh recording by like some famous artists uh, they will consider that like the real version and any cover version like the fake version and that's a, a relatively new characteristic of music because yeah music was way more communal there were like nobody had heard the original writer of the song or who they thought was like the the originating artist of a song and songs were just kind of live and, and be around right. So that's such an important change, I think, to music. And that created like the recording industry, which is what we typically are kind of refer to when we say music business nowadays. Uh, we talk about like the record labels. And before that it was like the publishing industry. So the people who are who are putting out the sheet music um that people could play on pianos or or sing and stuff like that. So now I'm thinking, what happens with AI because that's going to change what's possible for music. Music doesn't have to start at zero and end at whatever is like the end of the song, let's say three minutes. It can be more infinite, it can be more flexible, and it can be more unique or more um, custom to the listener.
1: And not just to the listener, right, but also musicians. So I'm sure that as AI becomes more accessible to people through their phones, then this could open up new ways for music fans to become creators.
2: So, I think what is cool with AI specifically is that you can make it way easier for people to create something that sounds like as good as the type of things they normally hear, which is like, it's a really steep learning curve and things like that. It won't be like, you know, mega original or something like that, probably, but it it will feel like it's theirs and it's like fun to play around with.
1: And to your point, this could be a way where you're able to generate, I don't know, like using an AI kind of a bass song that sounds pretty good. And then make the modifications to it to suit your needs?
2: Kind of. I think one thing that is also really important is the interface. Like, what do people see when they interact with this? I think if you open a music production program and show it to someone or show someone a studio with, like, all the buttons, people are like, whoa, I don't know what to do there. It's just too too overwhelming. So... Uh, What you can do, and this is also happening in smart speakers, is that you can make interfaces maybe more conversational or, or intelligent, meaning the interface will try to interpret what the user is telling it and then give something back and then get feedback on that.
1: Right, right. So then when you think about how fans interact with artists, how could we see 5G powered AI start to change those interactions?
2: We have like kind of a fledgling internet of things, meaning, especially with rollouts of 5G, we'll be able to get like way more connected devices online. They'll be supported by networks and and processing that is made way, way better by artificial intelligence. And I think with all these kind of trends uh, converging, we're going to see these layers of our reality merging. And in that context, I'm really curious, um, like what music experiences will be like. Some artists are creating like avatars for themselves. They could AI power them so that these avatars can kind of be characters that exist on their own without needing to be constantly controlled by an artist, which means that you can kind of boot up an artist's avatar and bring it into your into your environment, like the the dancing hot dog from Snapchat, <laughs> if you remember that.
1: Yes, yes. Um,
2: but then a way more high-definition uh, version of that. All of that, it sounds really fantastic, and I think it's like less than 10 years away. I wouldn't be surprised if it's less than five years away.
1: Bus, thanks for taking the time to talk to me about your insights on music and technology and text-based rap battles, which I had no idea existed. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I really hope we'll both get to see some like live music, whether at a drive-in or something virtual, very soon.
1: With Verizon 5G starting to roll out across the country, could the mixed reality music experiences that Bus mentioned be here even sooner than we think? I'll find out by hearing about a groundbreaking augmented reality live show after the break.
3: Verizon 5G Edge is the world's first mobile edge computing platform with AWS Wavelength, and it's rolling out in select cities around the country. It's built right, so faster speed and ultra low latency now come to mobile and connected devices, paving the way for a wide range of transformative applications. The implications for rapid innovation are staggering, and now businesses and developers can harness its power, today and into the future. Verizon 5G Edge is here from the network businesses rely on.
1: Welcome back to Networked, the 5G future. I'm Christina Warren. Fans like Bus Grussmeier and musicians like Marc Robier gave me hope about all the possibilities for live performance, musical subcultures, and creative outlets that could really take off on a 5G network. But as a huge music fan myself, I wanted to know how Verizon 5G Ultra Wideband could improve the shows that I'm looking forward to seeing in person. To hear from someone who's already produced a mixed reality performance, I called Kevin Ternet. He's Executive Vice President of Global Partnerships and Innovation at Live Nation and partnered with Verizon in December 2019 to rig a major concert venue with 5G.
4: We had a terrific project that we worked on together this past year uh, around the Chainsmokers. The shared goal was to create a fan experience that involved the creativity of the artist. That was really the goal. And so we determined that one of the best demonstrations of the use of 5G would be to create a simultaneous experience in the middle of a concert that involved the artist's participation so it was consistent with the creative they were trying to promote at that show and really take advantage of 5G in a way that takes advantage of the simultaneous delivery of the experiences, which is something that we typically don't have the luxury to do.
1: Actually, I want to hone in on this a little bit. Can you walk us through the Chainsmokers event from the perspective of a fan? Like, what did fans experience at this event?
4: Fans who had the 5G phone uh, were able to, right from the beginning, take their phone and pan it around the room and you'd immediately see different lighting, different things coming to life and making the arena itself come to life in three-dimensional ways that obviously were not there in reality. They were only there in mixed reality. We had a very specific song. Uh, The band chose Call You Mine. And the other feature that we had to add was a countdown clock so everybody knew that this song and experience was going to happen for those Uh, several minutes that the song came to life on that phone. And part of that experience, if you saw, there's kind of broken glass pieces with a three-dimensional face that sort of comes to life. And one of the fun features that fans were able to do if they were sitting next to each other, I'd have the ability to flick a, a broken piece of glass, for example, and that would end up on your screen. And again only way to accomplish that would be through 5G. We couldn't be a half a second off from the words that were coming out of the artist's mouths and the notes that were triggering different things happening. So uh, I'm sure to the naked eye, I think everybody thought it was amazing. I think for all the engineers and the tech team behind the scenes, uh, we knew how specific we had to be, and it was just incredibly rewarding.
1: I love that. and I love that you were playing with things that fans might not even have known that they were able to take advantage of, but you were just kind of pushing the boundaries just to see what was possible. I want to ask you, having like the artist full cooperation, how important was that to getting the experience right?
4: I would say critically important. To be honest with you, we we would have only worked forward with an artist like a Chainsmokers who actually understood what we were trying to accomplish. And that was really fun. They're very tech forward thinking. And immediately when we mentioned the opportunity to them, they lit up and they were excited and they immediately knew they wanted to do it to the Call You Mine song because they knew the creative they had already built. Uh, Yeah, look, authenticity is everything in our business. So in order to have authenticity, you certainly need the artists because they're the creative geniuses we're just uh, hopefully uh, uh, folks that could bring the creative to life.
1: Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're the conduits, which is, which is really important. Um, I actually want to ask you, because you were talking about, you know, the fan response and being authentic, what was the fan response to the Chainsmokers experience?
4: If you spent any money and you were going to go see the band, you probably like them already. Um, So that's always a nice advantage to have. But to have something fun and experience in a different way, I mean, let's face it, uh, more people are capturing and sharing things on a mobile device now at live events than they ever have. Totally. And so creating something different that somebody else doesn't have, you can see it every day that people are challenging themselves creatively on their own, have the best picture, the best angle, the best moment, the best close-up.
1: Yeah, no, you bring up a great point because I was just thinking, so many concerts that I go to now, I do, in some ways, I have to kind of remind myself, I'm like, okay, put your phone down, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to capture video and photos and whatnot. But if you're adding this new experience where you're going to get a different perspective than just the same video or photo or whatever that thousands of other people in the crowd have too, then that really adds something special to the experience.
4: I think that was one of our takeaways that we didn't even fully realize until it was over was that moment that we realized, wow, could we be creating something that could be a keepsake that only the live fan gets to experience? Obviously, that works great with the Live Nation business, but are we really giving something that's special and unique, which is difficult to do in a world where, again, everybody's snapping the same photos all over the place. And you know, we don't mind people having FOMO and wanting to go to the show, right? So if you could share that, that's only helping the chain smokers promote this amazing concert and showing that they're on the cutting edge. So there was just a lot of positivity that came out of that 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 we didn't even anticipate, to be honest with you, when when we started.
1: So looking forward, where do you think live music is heading in the coming years? And how does 5G play into that?
4: just the basics, quite frankly, of the connectivity is, a, is it's a real pain point in any live entertainment, you know, including sports or an NFL game or whatever it may be. So just the raw connectivity, you'd be surprised how incredibly rewarding just that piece is. And so now the key is for us to, to think about those things that are uh, you know new experiences that we could have, right? Because I could deliver a mixed reality experience in an app without 5G, but what I can't do without 5G is simultaneously experience that with you, right? So that's a really important piece of the puzzle and starts to unlock. Other ideas you might have, for example, do we have the set list in real time coming at you from the left side of your eyesight? Yeah. And when you walk into the building, maybe all the posters come to life from all the histories of po- you know. I'm just giving you some like easy examples of things yeah. that people could experience at the same time. And the other piece that we're we're exploring is volumetrically capturing the artists themselves. So fans can experience uh, up close with the artist without being with the artist and and visually experiencing a Valmetric video and taking a photo with them or having a picture or having a video made with them. So, you know, these are all things that were impossible.
1: You know, it's interesting that you say that because one of the things that's happening right now is that musicians who are mainly dependent on being with fans in a physical space are now having to figure out not just how to substitute for that experience, but to, you know, as you say, kind of actually offer something that's different and makes more sense for performing remotely you know they have to do something that they haven't been able to do before
4: yeah yeah it's been kind of uh, funny to me a little bit because we've been live streaming concerts for years and so we enjoyed watching all the artists take matters in their own hands and creatively deliver but you know something happened real fast right there was so much of it to your point you know how were you differentiating started to become a creative conversation for artists, right? What am I doing differently that somebody else isn't doing? Now there's also some really fun technology things that we've seen that we've been playing around with too that I think are special and, and taking a volumetric capture of an artist and inserting them in a fantastical world with fans actually joining in and that social media and connectivity to those moments. So we're excited about it. I mean, we know that you can't replace that experience in the venue, but The idea that you could extend that reach to someone that may not be able to get to that venue, might be able to not afford to get to that venue, it's in another location, whatever the reason might be, the idea that we could extend a live concert experience to a fan who can't be there, is something unique. And I, I don't think that's going away. And, and I could definitely share with you that we'll be spending a lot more time thinking about that and exploring and executing ways to extend that reach for fans more than ever. And that part, I think, is actually something super positive that's going to come out of
1: this. Kevin, it was great talking with you. Thank you for sharing all of your insights and telling us about the amazing Chainsmokers experience. I hope that I can see you at a live show soon. Thanks so much.
4: Sounds good. Thanks again.
1: So much of my life revolves around music. The fact that I can see and hear my favorite artists live just by turning on my phone has really helped me keep it together during some truly tough times. And when the stage doors open back up, I can't wait to see how all of these adaptations and innovations will go with us into the next era of live music. On the next episode of Networked, I'll find out what exactly goes on in a smart city. And explore the massive untapped potential that Verizon 5G can unlock when it comes to first responders, transportation, and the next generation of maps.
3: And the time difference between you walking out into that crosswalk and that car zooming through and and hitting you is probably seconds. You need to know instantaneously,
1: stop, don't go any further. And the vehicle also needs to apply that brake immediately. That's next time on Networked, the 5G future by Verizon and t Brand subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to know more about how innovators are exploring how to harness the power of Verizon 5G, check out the new documentary Speed of Thought on Amazon Prime Video or speedofthoughtfilm.com. I'm Christina Warren. Thanks for listening.
3: Verizon just turned on 5G across the country with the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband, the fastest 5G in the world. 5G ultra-wideband is so fast you can download an album in seconds. Verizon 5G won't just change how your phone works. It will change everything. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800-plus cities. Global claim based on open signal independent analysis during the period January 31st through April 30th, 2020.